Hi, this is a production of Community Covenant Church in Eagle River, Alaska, where our mission is to bring Christ's hope, healing, and wholeness to our community and to our world. Our service times are 9 and 11 each Sunday morning. Find out more at www.communitycovenant.net. Clap of praise and thanks to our worship team. <laughs> Sunday after Sunday, they just bring it, don't they? I love uh, the variety and uh, the number of people God has involved and Tyler's giftedness. It was my privilege to work closely with Tyler this week as uh, got a chance to prepare for uh, being with you. Well, as Tyler mentioned, I uh, retired pastor, retired uh, in September of um, 2016. So if you see rust just falling off as I'm speaking, there's lots of rust because it's been a a year since I've um, had a chance to be before a congregation and um, share the gospel. It's really good to be here. Uh, Lori and I have been coming, as Tyler mentioned, uh, for about a year. Uh, When I retired, Lori's always had to go to the church where I was a pastor. So when I retired, I said, hey, how about if you pick the church this time? She said, no, we'll, we'll go together. We'll pick it together. I said, no, I, I'd really, really like it if, if you pick the church this time. So we did a number of churches, and we actually live in Palmer near uh, Palmer High School and pastored in Palmer all those years. And uh, we visited a number of churches of great churches that we've known and loved. But uh, we actually, I did a, a break between uh, being pastor at Matsu Covenant Church, the founding pastor of Matsu Covenant Church, and then uh, being called to be the pastor at Lazy Mountain. Now, I had a two-year break as Mr. Mom, and I raised four children. Uh, my wife's a family physician, and she went and, and worked, and we came here because my ordination is with the Covenant Church, and we absolutely loved it. And um, so it was about a year ago we began attending here and went to Wednesday night and enjoyed the dinners together. And after we finished the Wednesday night uh, Bible study with Pastor Todd, he was leaving, leading the one called Happiness in Marriage. Where I remember we were driving home and I said, well, is that it? Meaning, is this, is this our church home? And Lori said, yeah, I think it is. How about for you? And I said, I was hoping you'd say that. So it's just been a joy to be in welcomed into uh, your family again. Well, um, you know, it's the time of year that we're all looking for a fresh start, aren't we? Maybe a fresh start on that diet. Lori and I got a chance to visit Europe around Thanksgiving, and we came back with a souvenir or two and decided we needed to restart on our diet, and, we, and it's time to maybe restart on some of the healthy things that we do. And hey, if you're a student, right, you get to restart. The old grades are gone. You get a fresh whole start starting this semester. Wonderful time. Well, my goal and my hope today is um, to share with you a possible restart or maybe first start for the first time that I think will begin paying dividends beginning today in helping you grow and know Jesus deeper. And I think it'll even begin, um, it'll pay dividends far beyond that. Now, I know you're probably thinking, goodness gracious, does he know how busy my schedule is? He really wants to add something? Well, I want to I put out a little hook there. It's only going to take 
a nine-minute adjustment in your life. Nine minutes, okay? So just keep that in mind. So here's the challenge. What if I could show you at the end of this time we have together that you easily have nine minutes to make an adjustment that I believe will begin paying dividends right away. I believe you'll have a richer spiritual life. It's been my experience with doing this practice I'm going to share. I believe that you have a much deeper relationship with Jesus, with God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and a much better love life. You know, we're called to that, aren't we? Love God and love others. So that's my plan. That's my goal. That's my hope. And uh, we'll see um, what the Holy Spirit does. Well, I'd like to begin with prayer, and then I'm going to ask you to stand with me in a minute and read our text. So let's pray. Lord Jesus, there is so much calling for our time and attention. You know the very distracted world that we live in together. Holy Spirit, I would ask you now, I'd humbly ask you, would you please focus all of our attention together on this time so that each of us can hear the message that you have for us today. We know that none of this is possible without you, so we ask for your full presence here. Teach us and guide us, encourage us, inspire us. In the name of the Father and Son and Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, it all begins with good news. And um, there are four Gospels, and we're going to look, start with the fourth. So will you stand with me, and I'm going to just ask if you would read with me aloud this first five verses of the Gospel of John. Let's begin. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. You may be seated. Now, why would I start with this passage? Well, if you look in this passage, in this first verse, three times in the first verse is the word word. And if we could see that in the original language that the Holy Spirit inspired John, the apostle, to write it in, it's the word logos. And logos was an extremely, extremely common word in the time in the first century. The Jews used it. The Greeks used it commonly used it. It was a word that meant this, speaking a message or words. Now, let's just keep that in front of you. The word is word. The word is logos. It means speaking a message or words, okay? Logos was widely used in that day in Greek philosophy. In Greek Philosophy stretched all over the Roman Empire in the day that Jesus came. It was also used in Jewish wisdom, literature, and philosophy. 
And it may be inspired by the Holy Spirit that John chose this word because it was so familiar to his readers. But he invested this word, word or logos, with new meaning. Right from the start, John was telling us that this Jesus, who is the good news, is a message to you. He is a message that's not going to let you stay stuck where you are. Now think back to a moment. If you're Jewish or you're Greek and you read this and you're reading it in, it's written in Greek, and you come upon this word, word logos, and it's talking about a man. Well, for, if you're a Jewish reader and you, you read this, you're going to say, well, that's blasphemy. The man, though God did not become flesh. In fact, we know they, they murdered Jesus because he claimed to be God. And if you're a Greek reader, you're going to go, well, that, that's just unthinkable. Wisdom does not become flesh. But to John, word became flesh is gospel. It's the good news. Jesus, he's saying, is a message of good news to the reader. And what was that message? Well, as we just read, Jesus is unique. He was with God. He was there at the beginning. He is different. There's no one like him. Just in this passage that we've read, Jesus, this passage is same with present at creation. The Jesus is present in relationship with God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. That Jesus himself in the flesh is God. And the Word was God. Now that is new revelation. And perhaps if you're visiting this morning, this is the first time you've been in a Christian church or a long time, that's the basic message. What we believe, that Jesus is God. He's the third person of the Trinity, God, second person of the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. One God in three persons. It's new revelation. Jesus is the message that you and I need. Because John would conclude his gospel with these words. You can turn in your Bible or look on the screen. John twenty thirty one. John says, this is why. These things are written that you may believe Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. That's the message of Christianity, that we can have life in the name of Jesus Christ. The new revelation that John wants us to know is that Jesus is deity, he's word, he's wisdom, he's all. And he's speaking it to Greeks and Gentiles and Jews all the same, using a word logos, a common word they would all know, to teach them the new revelation, the truth about Jesus. Now, here's the deal. If we were just to stop there with that knowledge that Jesus is, we would just stop there with the knowledge that Jesus is what we need. It is enough. It's enough. It's enough to be saved and forgiven of our sins and know we have a sure and certain future with God in heaven forever. The moment we believe Jesus Christ is the moment our everlasting life begins. It's enough. But 
There is so much more. And that's what I want to encourage you today to walk into with this nine-minute challenge. Now, this deeper relationship is with the Word. It's with Jesus, the Logos. How do we get that? Well, I'd like to take a moment to go back to our spiritual roots, our spiritual history, okay? Now, I don't know if you know it or not, but our church, Community Covenant Church of Eagle River, comes from a spiritual revival that began in the church in Sweden and was brought to the United States through Swedish immigrants. In fact, just 150 years ago this year, in 1868, in Illinois, Princeton, Illinois, to be exact, a covenant congregation of Swedish immigrants launched a revival by simply asking this question. Are you living in Jesus? Are you living in Jesus? You know, those five simple words really wrap it up, right? Are you living in Jesus? It's enough to know Jesus died on the cross and rose from the dead and we can be saved by believing in his name. But what makes our life, what makes knowing Jesus, knowing Jesus is these five words. Are you living in Jesus. There was a second question these young Swedish immigrants began to ask each other. And this is it. Where is it written? And what they meant by that is, do you know where it's written in God's word? In other words, if you're going to share something, do you know where it is written? Do you know what you believe and say and think has its origin in the Word of God, and do you know where it's written? Well, what we have discovered together in these last 150 years is if we let these two truths guide us, are you living with Jesus, and do you know where it is written? Are you living with Jesus, and where is it written, that our relationship with God, with one another, and with others, grows and deepens. So then, what is this nine-minute challenge that I so boldly put before you that if you will adopt it, you will grow deeper in your relationship with Christ and grow further in your love of others. What is this nine-minute challenge? Well, I'm just going to focus on the second of these historical war sentences that our ancestors in the Spirit used. Where is it written? Okay? I'm going to focus on that second challenge. And here is my challenge. I'm going to show you in the just the next two few minutes that in just a nine-minute adjustment of your day, that starting today, you will be able to read the Word of God, the Bible, from cover to cover in just one year. 
that it just in nine minutes, if you commit today to read the word of God from cover to cover, that when you come in this room in January 7th of 2019, you'll be able to say, I read it. I know where it's written. I've read the Bible cover to cover. Because here's what I found. I have found many people who believe what John said is true. They believe in Jesus Christ. But they have not read his full word. They don't know where it is written. They have not personally read the full counsel of God for themselves. They've, in other words, not read the deep spiritual instructions that God has given us in the whole counsel of His Word. And if you've never read the Bible cover to cover, how will you ever know where it is written? Now, you might find it interesting, but, and maybe not surprising, but did you know we Americans don't read the instructions when we buy stuff? Yeah, I just read a story this week that 95% of all the gadgets are, that are returned to companies are in perfect working order. And industry believes the reason is we just didn't read the instructions. In fact, in that same story, I read about a famous Italian photographer. His name was Lee Battaglia. And he's famous, you know. He, he's got cameras and computers and all this. And guess what he says? He says, I never read the directions on stuff over the cameras and computers I buy. It's too time-consuming. I'm impatient, the retired photographer said. I'd rather watch someone else doing it and then ask why. Keep that in front of you for just a minute, his statement. I'd rather watch someone else doing it and then ask why. Apply that statement to your own spiritual life. Can you imagine how dangerous that would be to just sit back and watch someone else doing it and then ask questions? Again, let me return to our spiritual history. Now we're going to go back just another 10 year, 20 years. It's 1830 in Sweden. And Christianity was the state church of Sweden. But the faith of the people of Sweden had grown cold and dull and stale. Well, to combat that, our spiritual ancestors, the early covenanters, began meeting in their homes. And you know what they began doing? They began taking out their Bibles and just reading it to one another. They read the Word and the church and revival was birthed. Did, do you know that the central theological tenet of the covenant church is this, that we believe the Holy Scriptures, the Old and New Testament, are the Word of God and the only perfect rule for faith 
doctrine and conduct. I joined the Covenant Church because I saw in it a church that believed the most important thing is how are, is it with you and Jesus? And where is it written? In our own, if you walk in and, you know, new people do this, right? We walk in and we look around and we look at the walls of the church and see what's there. Did you know, just right as you walk in and turn right in our church on the right-hand side, are our spiritual guidelines. And the very first one, and you can check it on the way out. Our very first one says this. We believe in the centrality of the Word of God. Where's well, a question. If anyone saw your regular, everyday, day-to-day life, would they see in it, wow, that person believes in the centrality of the Word of God. I have but one goal this morning, one truth I'd like to leave with you to ponder in this. Would you make a nine-minute adjustment in your life each day to put the Word of God back into that central place? What would happen if you did? Would we begin to see the stirrings of spiritual awakening and revival here in this church, beginning with the stirrings that happen in our own house, heart as we get to know Jesus deeper through reading His Word, the Logos? Or would it be said about us, he'd just rather watch someone else do it? Can you imagine if your kids started saying, my mommy, my daddy, they know where it's written. She knows where it's written. They don't delegate their spiritual growth to someone else. They've read the instructions. They don't watch someone else do it. You see, reading and knowing the Bible is so important. Jesus said this about it. He said, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. In other words, if you want to live life to the fullest, Jesus is saying, we must read and heed God's Word. In order to grow spiritually strong, Jesus is saying this. The Bible needs to be a major food group in our spiritual diet. A major food group. So how are we going to do it? I know you got busy lives. I'm looking at busy moms and dads. I'm looking at busy retired people. I'm looking at busy students. So how are we going to do it? Where are we going to find the time? Well, that's a great question. Great question. Where will I get the time to read the Bible cover to cover? So, found this little chart, okay? Here it is. Now, if you can see this up here, look. Here's how we like to spend our time. Sleeping, about 7.6 hours. 
Working in related activities, 8.6. Leisure and sports, 2.6. Household activities, 1.1. Eating and drinking, 1.1. Caring for others, 1.2. But look at this little light blue one up there between 11 o'clock and midnight. Okay? Other, 1.8 hours. And don't worry that this chart is for 25 to 54-year-old students and retired folks. We're giving you full credit. We know all the work you do and all the work you do behind the scenes. We couldn't be church without you. But what we do notice as we look at this chart is, if we didn't change anything, didn't change anything about our sleeping habits, eating habits, working habits, serving habits, or leisure, there's almost two hours there, 1.8, to do something with. Now let's just say, let's just say, let's just put it out there, that maybe we could slice off nine minutes of that 1.8 hours, okay? We're just going to slice off a little piece of that, that 1.8 hours, nine minutes. Let's say we did it. How much of that time would we need each day? Well, first you've got to figure out, well, how long does it take to read the Bible? In order to figure out how long it takes to read the Bible, a base thing you need to know is how many words are in the Bible. And it turns out, in the King James Version... It, it has about 788,000 words, almost three quarters of a million. The NIV, if you read that, I read the NIV, it has a little bit less. The ESV, just a little bit less than the King James Version. But I'm just going to start with the one that has the most, okay? So how long do you think it would take the average American, all right? And I know we're all above average, but let's just say the average American. Let's put them there, okay? How long do you think it would take the average American to read the Bible through cover to cover? Well, to answer that, we just need to know one fact. What's the average reading speed of the average American? Well, we know that, actually. It's been studied and studied. We know that third graders read it about 150 words a minute. 11th grade students read it about 350. Average adults, about 300. College students, about 450. Mid-level executives, about 240. And high school dropouts, 240 words a minute. So let's say your reading speed, and we know reading speed, we're all kind of intimidated. Oh, don't, don't ask me how fast I read. It's a lot slower than you think, right? But let's just say none of us think we're very fast readers, all right? So let's just take this lowest average right here, 240, okay, of someone who didn't complete high school. How long would it take? Well, again, you just take the total number of words in the Bible, 788,000. Divide by 240 words per minute, the slowest reading speed on the chart. And it's going to take you about 3,284 minutes or 55 hours. So if you decide today, wow, that Dom's man, he's such an inspired, anointed teacher. I'm not going to sleep till I've read the Bible cover to cover. You'd be done in just over two days. Okay? Just over two days, you'd be done. But. Let's say you just wanted to read a little each day. How long would that take? Well, 788,000 words divided by 365 days, because the average American knows a year has 365 days, right? Is 2,160 words a day. Now, so how long would it take if you take our average reading speed of 240 words per minute to read 2,160 words in a day, nine minutes per day. Nine minutes per day. 
And we know you guys are all above average, right? But let's say, no, 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 you don't understand. I'm a really, really, really slow leader. So let's double it. Let's say for you, it's going to take 18 minutes a day to do it. Comfortable with that, okay? How long is 18 minutes? Well, it's interesting. 18 minutes is exactly the number of, whoops, where did my thing go? All right. Well, we're, slides aren't right. But anyway, here's the deal. It turns out that 18 minutes, so let's say I need to double it. I need 18 minutes. That's exactly how many minutes of commercials there are in one hour of TV. So if you just said, okay, I'm twice as slow as someone who didn't complete high school. I'm need more time. If the only thing you did was read your Bible while you're watching one hour of TV per day and pressed mute during the commercials, you'd also be done in a year. I'm going to try and catch up with my... There it is. Great. There it is. There we go. 18 minutes. By the way, exactly how many minutes of commercials there are in just one day. And if you read at the nine-minute rate, which the average person who didn't complete high school does, and you read 18 minutes a day, you'd be done by the 4th of July. When we get here next year at this time, you will have read the Bible cover to cover, the Word of God, twice through. And records show we actually watch about four hours of TV a day. I'm thinking you could be done by mid-March. All right? Now you say, well, I don't watch TV. Where do I get the time? Well, let me ask you, do you text? No, nobody, I'm not asking for a show of hands. But I was talking to my son, he was in college a couple years ago. He goes, Dad, he was an RA, and he was trying to do this team, of ultimate Frisbee team. He goes, Dad, I don't, know what, I don't have enough time for studying. I go, well, Jess, do you text? And he goes, yeah, of course I text. Dad. I said, well, how long does it take you to text? He said, I don't know, well, let's test. So he read a text and answered it. It was about 23 seconds. He read a text in the answer. It was about that same amount of time. And it, it turned out it's about 23 seconds it takes to read a text and answer it as an average. So that's about three texts in a minute. And guess what? If you skip just 27 texts a day, you have nine minutes to read the Word of God covered together. And I know your texts are super important, but... Which would benefit you more? Nine minutes with the word? Or nine minutes doing... <laughs> you say, well, I don't text. I don't watch TV. Well, do you Facebook? Oh, no, let's not talk about that. Because it just turns out you can look to your right and your left. Two-thirds of Americans have a Facebook account. And do you know in 2015... Mark Zuckerberg, the CEO and founder of Facebook, reported in the second quarter, his second quarter report to his shareholders in 2015, he happily reported that two out of three of us in America were spending 40 minutes a day on Facebook. And then next year, the same second quarter, in 2016, he reported, it's gone up 10 minutes. They're now at 50. So if you just decided 
to back off your Facebook from 2016 levels to 2015 levels, you'd have 10 minutes to read the Bible. Just a simple adjustment. And then last, do we dare go to this one? How about the internet? No, I don't want to talk about how much internet usage I do. We're talking about it. Here it is. Oh, come on. There. So you see this number, upper right hand, second one down on the right, 2011. This is aged information. We each spent 167 minutes on the internet. If we just cut back nine minutes on the internet, we could read the Bible cover to cover in one year. I want to encourage you with this word. Could you go to that next slide for me? How much better a person do you find yourself becoming spending time on the internet? You lose weight? Do you get in shape? Do you become more loving? Become more spiritually in tune? I'm encouraging you to make a nine-minute change that will change the direction of your life. Make 2018 the year you read the Bible cover to cover. Now, I've had some people say, well, I get started. I, you know, I just get bogged down there and all the laws and Leviticus and all the numbers and numbers and the name lists. <laughs> you know, I, the easiest way is just to start right with the Bible that you have. But, you know, those same people that sometimes complain, I get bogged down in numbers. I get bogged down in Leviticus. You know what I'll find? They'll spend hundreds of hours and thousands of dollars walking heavy equipment out to secret gold claims to try and harvest flakes of gold and nuggets of gold that they can't take with them. But they won't spend nine minutes wading through even Leviticus and Numbers to get nuggets of spiritual gold that can never be taken away from them. That's what we're talking about. So my prayer and my hope is you'll take up the challenge. If you want a couple ideas, I'll be here up at the front. I've got some uh, apps you can use, but two things that have been most helpful to me is the one-year Bible. And you can get one for less than 20 bucks. And it just has, it's the whole Bible, and you can get them in all different versions. If you're a King James person or a New Living Translation or an NIV, you can get them in all different versions. But it just has an Old Testament reading and a New Testament reading and a Psalm and a Proverb each day. And you can tell, this one's dog-eared. And I'll never forget, as a pastor, I was talking to um, talk one of the senior men on my elder board. He's a really senior guy. And I was having coffee with him. And I said, hey, can you tell me what is your spiritual... Um, diet. How do you feed yourself spiritually? What are your spiritual practices? I'll never forget what he said. He said, well, I decided many years ago, each year I would read the Bible cover to cover. And you know what I noticed about this man when we were in elder meetings together? He would always usually be one of the last to speak on a topic. But almost always on the topic when he chose to speak, you could tell where it was written. He spoke.
from a deep understanding of God's word. And I decided right then and there, it's about seven years ago, that's going to be me. I'm going to read the Bible cover to cover every year. And I started. But last year, I didn't. Last year, I didn't. And you know what I noticed? It was one of the leanest spiritual years I've ever had. And so this year, Lori and I, we started again and chosen um, to read the word again, cover to cover. Because we want to be able to answer those questions when you ask, how is it with you and Jesus? And where is it written? Let me pray. So Lord, if this message is from you, I pray you'd stir in people's hearts. And I pray that this congregation, us together, would take up this challenge. And that you would carve out that time and you would keep it sacred and safe. And that we would meet with you and grow in you. And we would know you deeper than we ever have. And you would make this year a year of new revelations. In Christ's name, amen.